If you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. And then we're going to move over to Colossians 3 in just a moment. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, says this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. Now jump over two books, Ephesians and then into Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. should say three books. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, for your love and your kindness to us. We ask, O oh God, that you would come and open up the ears of our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, come and quicken our hearts to receive your word. And not only to receive it and to hear it, but to apply it. Because we want to be men and women who are led by the Spirit of God, who walk in life with the Spirit. So, Lord, we thank you for this. And as you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 1975, probably before some of you were born in this room, but for those of us who were around, there was a book written called Dress for Success. Uh, I graduated high school in 1978. Uh, I was the president of FBLA. Anyone know what FBLA stood for? Yeah, Future Business Leaders of America. That's, that was what I was the president of. It's just a fancy way to say, hey, teenager, get a job. That's basically what it was. And in my graduation, someone gave me this book written in 1975 by John Malloy, who wrote the book, like I said, called Dress for Success. And it was a fashion guidebook to help you climb the corporate ladder. It was a, the way you dress made you feel good about yourself, all of this. But the basic, basic premise of the book was simply this, dress like your boss, you know, in essence. It. So back then we had red power ties and nice suits that you would wear. I mean, you can see me as a graduating high school at 18, going into the workforce, 
And I'm in this suit, skinny kid, fresh out of high school with my red power tie on, right? Even today, even today, we have the, the culture in which we live, even in our dress-down culture today, it's no longer power ties, but now it's socks, right? Socks are the new language. So I want you to know I've got my socks on that I got from uh, Jamie Fickert, my pink flamingo socks. These, does that speak power right there or what? I mean, come on. My pink flamingo socks. Jamie gave them to uh, all of the workers of the um, children's uh, for VBS. And so we were passing socks around and I saw pink flamingos and I said, sold. That just speaks power right there. It was incredible. So you see all these things that happen. But if you think about it, all this dressing for success and growing up, if you think about it, we as a disciples of Christ, we are to have on a spiritual apparel that is far greater than any clothing, physical clothing. But there is a spiritual clothing that we are to put on, and it is this, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're doing and what we're talking about today when we talk about authentic living. This is how Christians are supposed to live. This is how the Apostle Paul, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, if you are led by the Spirit, you're going to put on the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to live according to nine fruits that they gave us. And what we're doing as a church is we are going through each one of those fruits Because we want to be men and women who live authentically. We want to live according to the Spirit. We don't want to to be men and women who walk around with a facade or a veneer of what Christianity looks like. But men and women who walk around that are expressing and living out the fruit of the Spirit. And in Colossians 3.12, we saw there the beginning of Paul encouraging them to put on Compassionate hearts, kindness, patience, those things there. We're to put them on like they are spiritual clothes that we were, are, are wearing as men and women of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to put on those clothes. What we have to ask the question is what are people seeing our spiritual clothing is or what is it like? Is it evident to them? Are they seeing these fruits? And so today we're going to take another look at these spiritual fruits. And remember my byline on the screen here. It is spirit-empowered fruit. Spirit-empowered character we're talking about here. We're not talking about personality traits here. You may have a personality trait that's bent toward being kind. No, no. This is spirit and power. This is something that is beyond something that you and I can do naturally. This is spirit-born kindness, not just being kind. And we'll talk about that in a moment as we move forward and we look at all of these fruits that God has for us. And so the first thing and my focus point today is simply this. If you were to walk out, go home with this. Kindness is love's conduct show it. Kindness is love's conduct. Show it. Another way you can say it for a focus point is simply this. God has demonstrated kindness to undeserving mankind, so we must demonstrate kindness to others. And here's the key, expecting nothing in return. 
That's spirit-born kindness right there. When you, when you are being kind to someone to receive something, you are really nullifying the spirit aspect behind it. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But a spirit-empowered kindness is demonstrating kindness to others and many times kindness and love towards your enemy while you expect nothing in return. That's what this kindness looks like. This is what God did to us. He demonstrated kindness to us, undeserving mankind. He wasn't expecting anything in return. But that is what he has done. And so my first point today, and what you can have it in your notes as well, kindness is simply God's beneficial provision that meets the need of sinful man. That's what kindness is. Kindness is the God's beneficial provision that meets our need. The kindness of God has been manifested to you and me because you and I and those who do not know Christ, they, had a, they have a great need like you and I had a great need. Our greatest need is not a better education. The greatest need in mankind is not better training and better health care and, and better promises of a future. Our greatest need that mankind has is the need for a Savior. And so therefore, based on that, God comes and demonstrates his love and his kindness to us by sending his son Jesus to come and die for you and me so that we would place our faith and trust in him and serve him in every way that we could. Kindness just simply reflects the tender concern that God has for providing helpless, hapless man Something that he could never have done and given ourselves. There's no way you and I could have saved ourselves. We needed a savior. We needed someone to come and save us. And I love this definition here by uh, Nelson's Bible Dictionary. He says this, Kindness is not an apathetic response to sin, but a deliberate act to bring the sinner back to God. That's what God has done for you and me. It's not God's kindness to us. It's not God's just like, ah, man, what am I going to do with these people? Yes, this apathetic approach to sin. Well, I guess I've got to do something. No, no. God's kindness is shown as a deliberate act. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and me. That's love. And that's God's kindness being manifested. It is a deliberate act to bring the sinner back to God. We already rejected God in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then when we were born, even in our mother's womb, David says, we have rejected God at that moment. And God, in his kindness and in his mercy, brings us deliberate act of sending his son Jesus so we could come back to God. Look at the scriptural reference there in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, where Paul is writing to the church in Rome and Christians there, and he says this, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. That's why God continues to show us kindness, continues to show man kindness. How does he do that? Because he hasn't destroyed us. We're still alive. 
He hasn't returned to send us all, or those that don't know him, back to hell. It is his kindness that will bring them back to repentance. This is what God has done in manifesting his kindness to sinful man. Look at, in your notes or on the screen, Titus 3, 3 through 5. He says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to our various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But don't you love the word but? That's a great word in Scripture. But God who is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4. But here it shows up again. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Aren't you glad this morning that you're saved? Aren't you glad this morning that the loving kindness of God appeared to you and to me? I am. I get excited about that. That's what my passion is. That's why I'm so passionate about the Lord. I love what Jesus did because I realized my sinfulness and what I was like. And God, despite that, showed his loving kindness and goodness and mercy toward me. And he appeared to me, opened up my blinded eyes. He saved me. Look why he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. You see, God didn't save me because I was doing good works. God saved me despite my works. Because my works weren't good. My works were selfish. My works were oriented to one thing and one thing alone, and that was Phil's kingdom. And how many servants could I get in Phil's kingdom to serve me? That's what we were after. That's what we were doing. That's what my works did. My works were done so that I could get the approval of man. My works were done so that I could climb the corporate ladder. My works were done to woo a woman. My works were done for all the different reasons that were sinful. Got the reason than to bring glory to myself. So my works, God didn't save me because of my works done in righteousness. Because it was sinful righteousness. There's that phrase. Unrighteousness. This is what we see but it was, I was saved. God appeared to me out of his loving kindness according to his mercy. It's a wonderful thing to see that. James Boyce, the quote on the screen or in your notes says this, Kindness is the attitude God has when he interacts with people. Think, let that sink in for a moment. Kindness is the attitude God has when he interacts with people. This is how God interacts with you and me. He doesn't interact with us in harshness. It's his kindness which leads us to repentance. It's not his harshness that leads us to repentance. When God interacts with people, he interacts with them in his kindness. James Boyce continues, God has a right to insist on our immediate and total conformity to his will. And he could be quite harsh with us in getting us to conform. But he is not harsh. He treats us as a good father might treat a learning child. That is our pattern. And folks, that's a far cry from many times how I grew up manifesting kindness to people. It, my, I, I want total conformity. 
We have to be careful parents, those of us who have children. Are we parenting with kindness or are we parenting with harshness? Are we parenting demanding their, their immediate and total conformity to our will? Are we parenting with a kindness that comes? Now, again, I'm all for being firm with our children. I had four boys and a girl. The four boys in particular needed firmness. It wasn't, I'm not talking drippy, ooey-gooey kindness where they just walk all over you. and We're talking about what? No, 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 no. It's not what, it's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about a heart that isn't harsh, a heart that is loving and kind to our children to show them. Let me put it this way. God saved us. But he brought us along with his kindness to show us our sin. You and I came to that place to realize that we were sinners. That was God's mercy and kindness leading us up to that point for us to turn around and say, Hey, guess what? I realized, Phil Corson, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And so because of that, I see God's kindness and his mercy, and I, and I accept that kindness and mercy and accepted Christ as my Savior. Same thing in parenting. We bring our children along to let them see their sin. It's that loving kindness that we have for them to see their sin to say, Dad, man, you're right. I blew it. So many different ways in which we manifest we, we love our children, we love our spouses, we do things. We don't want to be men and women who are harsh. We want to be men and women who live out life together and our loving kindness and the kindness, the spirit-empowered kindness manifests itself in us, which is my second point. We see the kindness of God, but now what about you and me? We know, we see the demonstration of how God showed his kindness to us. Now how are you and I, who are spirit people, as Paul said, we're led by the spirit, we're to walk in the spirit, we're to keep in step with the spirit. All the terminologies and phraseologies that Paul uses to describe Christians, we are spirit people. The spirit of God dwells inside of us. We're to walk in the spirit and to be led by the spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit by the Holy Spirit who produces this in us. But how are we, as we saw in Galatians when we started this series before, you got the flesh and you got the Spirit, Galatians says, and guess what? They're at war with one another. To where I want to do what I want to do and the other one says, no, you can't do that, and there's this battle that goes on inside of us. So we're going to be tempted at times not to be kind. But we are called by God to to pray. Pray for the fruits of the Spirit to be evident in our life. Why? Because we are living in a world that is growing hostile toward each other. And in particular, a world that is growing hostile toward Christians in particular. And what an opportunity in a hostile world for us to display kindness, spirit-empowered kindness to this lost and dying world. We have an incredible opportunity. If you have been watching the news media at all and all what has taken place, you would have seen this evident this week. Uh, 
in human kindness when on Monday Night Football, Ellen DeGeneres was sitting next to George W. Bush in the Dallas Cowboys press box. And all of Ellen's friends started slamming her. And she goes on her TV show the next day and makes a declaration and says that George Bush is a friend of mine and we need to be generous and kind and blah, blah, blah. And we have differing backgrounds and all this other stuff. And man, it was instant attack on her. Some stars came in and said, hey, that's great. Yeah, we need to be tolerant. But others were attacking her, calling her a bunch of names and different things like that. Now, she wasn't displaying spirit-empowered kindness. She was just showing human kindness. She was just being gentle and kind to all. Because spirit-empowered kindness has, has a, a kindness about it that, that as we clothe ourselves, we're not seeking the attention of others or seeking a response from others, but there is this element of spirit-empowered kindness that, that has a God element to it. To where we want that person not to know them kind, but that they sense the presence of God in our kindness. That we're showing them kindness so that they can see the kindness that we have, hopefully, if spirit-empowered, will lead them to repentance. Now, we're not expecting that, but I want to display spirit-empowered kindness to all to where if I am confronted, am I going to compromise or stand on truth, that I stand on truth in the process of being kind. I want to be compassionate to all people. I want to be kind to all people, but I am not going to lose my truthfulness and the truth of God over my kindness and compassion. Amen? So we are compassionate without compromise. We are compassionate and we are leading and showing and displaying, hopefully, the Spirit of God at work in us. And so, so therefore, this requires that you and I do as we read earlier, Colossians 3, of putting on then as God's chosen ones, put on, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's what we are to put on. As Paul says, that is that spiritual clothing that we are to put on. We go back before and Paul talks about putting off. Putting off these things, putting on these things. This is what you and I have. Every morning we get up, we should put on not just our spiritual armor, but our spiritual clothing as well. This is what God has called us to be. We are to be this way. Another scripture, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving each other. As God in Christ forgave you. You see, Paul is continually writing to these, to us and to these various churches to have on these fruits of the Spirit, to have on this kindness that is that is to be spirit-born character that is to be developed in us, that we are to walk out and to live accordingly. So that Not only will our kindness benefit those who are closest to us, the ones that we care about the most and love the most, and the ones that we have fellowship with on a consistent basis as a spiritual family, but then also it's demonstrated to a lost and dying world to let them see that God is at work in us. Spirit-born character, spirit-empowered character is going to be just that. 
Because there's many times, just as much as God made a deliberate act to send Jesus, remember the definition? It's not an apathetic response to sin, but it's a deliberate act. So, so many times you and I, to display kindness, we're going to have to make a deliberate choice to act. To do something. We're going to have to make a deliberate choice to come in and display a a virtue of somehow of kindness to those who are around us, to those who are lost and dying. Maybe somebody's biting your head off at work. Maybe there's something going on in in their lives and you don't know and you're getting the brunt of all this stuff and somehow you're going to have to make a choice and make that deliberate decision not to just back away and leave them alone, but make that deliberate choice to display and, and to show an act of kindness somehow. Something that you would not do in and of yourself because what you want to do is fight back. You want, they're biting at you, you want to bite them back. That's where we have to be careful. And when we display an act of kindness and show that, we are manifesting the character of God. Very familiar passage to us all it's, it's read in every wedding, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And we talked about love being the fruit of the Spirit. It's the first one of the nine. Love and how it's preeminent above all others. And we talked about all the aspects of what love does. But, but this type of love here that's in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape love. It is God's love. So if God's love is patient... And as God's love is kind, that's the type of love that we need to manifest. We need to have this type of kindness being manifested so much in our lives that we see this happening and people notice that there's something different about our kindness. Now, a lot of times they're going to attribute it to just your personality. And that's why we talked about When we started this series on the fruit of the Spirit, there's so many of these fruits that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, these nine fruits, that there's so many different personality traits that can be related to this. And kindness, and you get into gentleness, and you get into, uh, you know, goodness, and all these other ones. Sometimes we can get those things mixed up in our life. And we can think somehow that, well, I'm just naturally kind anyway. I'm really just a laid-back, easygoing guy. Well, maybe, you might be, but there's an element of what goes on inside of us. So you've got to make sure that you are making this deliberate act to show kindness to individuals so that it isn't confused with your, quote, personality trait. I love a quote by Mark Twain. Mark Twain says this about kindness. He says, kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see or read. The deaf can hear and the blind can read. And I I agree. I think kindness is a universal language that speaks not only to the intellect or doesn't speak just to the intellect. It speaks to the heart. And that type of God-empowered kindness that we see displayed here and spirit-empowered kindness, that's the kind that I want to speak to the heart. I want them to know that this kindness that I've shown you is a direct result of God's kind being kind to me. This isn't something that came, my kindness to you is not something that's come within Phil Corson. My kindness to you is the source that God was kind to me, so therefore he's empowering me to be kind to you. That's where my source is. 
My source is the Holy Spirit that's doing this. My source is the Holy Spirit that was one giving me the power to empower me to be kind when I don't want to be. Because there's a lot of times that I don't want to be. A lot of times it may manifest itself when I'm driving down the road. Just this morning as I'm driving to church, someone cuts in front of me. And I know I'm speaking on kindness. <laughs> and inside, I just wanted to lay on my horn because, I mean, it was just ridiculous. There's nobody behind me. It's like I'm, I'm the only car in the lane. I mean, we're talking 8.30 Sunday morning after a late night Gator game, okay? Nobody's on the road. I'm the only car coming, and they pull right out in front of me. I'm like, I'm like dude. Just fit, you can't wait for me to pass. You had to pull out in front of me when there's nothing, nobody behind me. And I wanted to display kindness by driving by and waving at him. <laughs> that universal language of love that we sometimes can display in those times. But I just started laughing because there's so many times where you just know the tactics of the enemy. He just laugh, and I just say, hey, thank you, Lord, for the illustration. Because <laughs> I don't feel like being kind at this moment. And as I drive by, I still, my flesh comes out. I go around the individual because I'm now having to dodge them as they pull out in front of me. And all I do is I drive by, and I just look at them, and I just shake my head. That's all I do. It's just like, that's like, I want to scream, loser, why did you do that? But then I realize I do it to other people. So that's why we talked about that one day about my own self-righteousness. So kindness is not just some sweet disposition that we have, but really kindness is a serving trait. It's a deliberate act. It, it, there's, a, there's a serving element behind it. I once read where it said that kindness is Christianity with its working clothes on. That's what kindness is. We see that in particular of God's kindness when I pray, Lord, help me to be an instrument of your kindness to a lost and dying world. The words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6 come to mind. Luke chapter 6, look at it on the screen or in your notes. I love this. I mean, Jesus just nails us, doesn't he, with this, this verse here. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. I mean, just right out of the gate, Jesus just kind of just lets us know where we stand, huh? Oh, you love people that love you? Oh, Phil, you are amazing. Just your character growth, Phil, is just off the charts. I can see why you're a pastor, Phil. You're so amazing. He says, no, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good those to those who do good to you, what benefit it is to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that of you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Now, Jesus is about to get radical. But, ooh, there's that word again. But love your enemies. Love your enemies. 
do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. I need, I'm in need of $10,000. Anybody want to? No, I'm just kidding. It's done. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. Look at this. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. You see, this is what Jesus said. What is it of any benefit for you if you give and expect something to receive, if you love only those that love you? But Jesus is bringing something radical to you and me this morning. Not only those that were heard these words, but to you and me this morning. We are to love our enemies. We are, we are to demonstrate and lend to others, expecting nothing in return. Why? Look what he says. You will be, if you do this, your reward is going to be great. You, are, you will be sons of the Most High. You're going to be sons of God when you manifest this type of kindness and love. And Jesus is even saying, I mean, Jesus doesn't come back and says, hey, for he is loving to the ungrateful. No, he says what? He is kind he is kind. Love is kind. Love is an action. It is Kindness is love's conduct. Remember my point? Show it. Kindness is love's conduct. Show it. That's my focus point this morning. This is what Jesus is communicating. His kindness, he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Those who are evil, God shows kindness to. So therefore, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is how God wants us to operate and to live life. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Samuel because we're going to close here with 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's a great story in the Bible that, that manifests this type of kindness. And it, it, is a, it is a wonderful picture for us of this biblical example of kindness with David, with Meshivapheth. You know the story. Rick just taught on this a couple weeks ago. David, Saul is trying to get David. Saul dies, but David has an incredible relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan. And they have a, they have a bond t- together. And Jonathan dies in war, and so does Saul. And David now is the king. And so now we see this. David is, is, is aware. And so David says this in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake, his friend, his closest friend. And the servants come back and they tell them of Meshibbeth, one son who is lame, he's crippled in both feet, he cannot fend for himself, but he must lean on others. And look in verse and Meshibbeth uh, look in verse six. And Meshibbeth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Meshibbeth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. 
and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And that's what David's in. He goes and restores to him the Shibbeth, all the lands. And he tells him, You're going to, I'm going to give you, Meshibbeth, I'm going to give you servants, and they're going to work your fields, they're going to work your lands, you're going to be prosperous, but Meshibbeth, you will always eat at my table. That's the kindness of, of David to Meshibbeth. And so if David would have acted accordingly to justice, he would have condemned Meshibbeth who belonged to a condemned family. But David did not act on that. David acted on the basis of kindness, seeking out Mephibosheth, assuring him that he had no reason to fear, inviting him to live in the king's palace and as, as family and to eat at the king's table. This right here, this picture of David with Mephibosheth is a veiled, a veiled picture of the infinite kindness of God to you and me. I mean, it's a beautiful story of what God, because every one of us have experienced even a greater kindness than what David showed Mephibosheth. We experience what God has done, for we are now children of the king. You and I are able to enjoy God's presence forever for what he has done. God, just as much as David sought out Meshivapheth. Did I not saying that right? 50-50. We'll just call him Meth for short. We'll call him Meth. It's Mephibosheth. All right. Just love those names, those biblical names. What did Rick call him? Rick gave him a name. MB? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I'll call him Meth for short. No, Meth doesn't work. But God in his mercy and kindness comes and shows us this. But just as David pursued him, so God has pursued you and me. We were not seeking after God, the Bible says in Romans 3. None of us were righteous. None of us were seeking God. But God in his mercy sought you and me and said, who can I show my kindness to? I'm going to show my kindness to Phil. I'm going to show my kindness to Brandon, to Kay, to Stephen. I'm going to show my kindness to all of you. That's what God has done in sending his son Jesus for you and me. It's an incredible story of what David did, but it is even magnified even more when we see what God has done for you and me because you and I were undeserving. Our response many times should be what his response was. What should I What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? That's how I feel many times in response to God's kindness and love to me. Lord, why would you save me, a dead dog like me? But all I can say is thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your kindness that led me to repentance. Thank you that I have hope today because of what you've done. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus. Amen. That's our response. Why should I sit and be called a child of the living God? 
Why should I be the one that enjoys the benefits of knowing, as we sang today, that God will never and has never left me or forsaken me? Why should I receive such stuff as this? It is simply, simply the kindness of our God. And so because we have received that kindness over and over again, may you and I, may you and I show that kindness to others that we have so graciously received. And as the worship team comes forward, I'm going to close out with a scripture that encourages us and reminds us on how we are to live and how we are to walk and how we are to think. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippian church, right before he goes in to talk about what Christ has done, he says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. And this is the the mind that we are to have. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's the opposite of kindness. Do nothing from selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to his own interests, but to the interest of others. You see, that is that deliberate act I'm talking about that manifests itself in kindness. It's not just saying, hey, to somebody and that, yeah, I agree with them and yeah, I'm friends with them from a distance. I'm talking about those that we run in circles with on a daily basis at work, at school. How can you manifest kindness toward those individuals? How can you look not only to your own interests, but how can you look toward their interests? These are deliberate acts of kindness that Paul is interested in here that shows them what Christ looked like. And then Paul continues. For God did not, for Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. Even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so therefore, God highly exalted him, lifted him up, gave him the name which is above every name, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all the places. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. This is what God does. This is how God rewards. He he comes in as we show and demonstrate spirit-empowered character. God uses that to draw others to himself just like he used it to draw you and me to himself. So let's stand. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you today for your loving kindness which is better than life. Lord, my lips will always praise you for I will lift up my hands in your name. So God, do a work, I pray. Manifest your loving kindness through love. Manifest your kindness through me, through mercy. Manifest your kindness through me, Lord, through patience. Help me. Help me to be the son that reflects you. Every day, I pray. 
Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.